0: Thank you for checking out the City Church podcast today. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know you are loved. Wherever you are joining us
1: from, we hope that this message encourages you. It's important as a church that in general, we invest in the next generation to make them feel that they're actually a relevant part of the church and that we recognize that they are the church of tomorrow. It's even more true with people who feel that they are called of God to be preachers or pastors. It's like the case of Tyler who feels called of God when then Pastor Brent brought him in here and mentoring him and helping him to understand what it means to be a pastor without the responsibilities of being the pastor. 55 years ago, a gentleman, a pastor in London, Ontario, took Esther and I under his wing and mentored us and helped us. I'll be forever grateful. Esther and I had graduated from Bible college, and we were attending University of Western Ontario in London. And he saw something in us and began to share the love of God with us asked me to speak to the youth. Every once in a while, he'd have me come and preach on Sunday with my knocked knees and my nervousness. He overlooked it and shared with me the love of God. We will be forever grateful for his kindness and for his ministry. Tyler Finch was uh, graduated from Portland Bible College, uh, a four-year program with a Bachelor of Arts degree in Theology. And about a minute and a half later, he married his wife, Jane. (laughs) He couldn't wait to do it. Jane is serving in the children's ministry this morning. He has a long line of preachers in his life. His great grandfather was Willie Finch, who pastored the great church in Windsor. Esther and I had the opportunity to travel with a singing group when we were in school. And we sang at that church and heard his great-grandfather speak. Very interesting how life intersects. His great-grandfather, his father, his grandfather, his uncles are all preachers or pastors. So he's been around ministry basically all of his life. History intersects interestingly. Pastor Brent and Tyler's mother were teenagers in the youth group at Evangel Temple many years ago. His grandfather actually worked for me at Evangel Temple. So it's very interesting how histories intersect. So it gives me great pleasure this morning to invite Tyler to the pulpit. Uh, Welcome him as he comes today. Is there any question of who's the next generation here? (laughs) At at least I've got my jeans on this morning. That's something, isn't it? Step up. (laughs) Love you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Dr. Coulter. How are you doing, City Church? Are you doing well? Come on, you can make some noise. We're in church. You can have fun. Glad you guys are here. Man, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to be back again this week and share with you guys. Had an awesome, awesome time last week. It was an amazing opportunity. Um, if I can just echo what Dr. Coulter said too. It's awesome to be part of a church where the leadership truly believes in the next generation. And um, a lot of churches say that. I would say less churches live that out and less churches show it, um, and this is one of the, this is one of the many ways, um, like, if you get around Pastor Brent for just a little bit of time, it becomes evident that he cares so deeply and passionately about the next generation, um, and not just the next generation of, uh, of staff members, but the next generation of, uh, of students who are a part of this church, And it is an honor and a privilege and it's exciting to be a part, uh, to be in an environment where young people are prioritized um, and are encouraged and are uh, trained up and it makes it easy to believe in the next generation. And I'll tell you, I believe in the next generation. I believe um, in the next generation. It It is... wild to me that I get paid to do what I do um, because I love it. Um, It does not seem like a job. It seems like I get to do what God created me to do, and I get to hang out with the best people every single Wednesday night and on Sunday mornings in junior high. And um, I'm just, I want you to know as parents, uh, as a church family, uh, the next generation is coming, so get ready. Next Generation is loving Jesus, is loving the church. And I'm so excited um, about where God is taking City Youth and City Youth Junior High and where God is taking us as a church family. And I'm just really thankful um, to all of you for supporting, for Pastor Brent and the leadership for supporting. And I'm excited to be able to speak today. Speaking of young people, last week we talked about a young guy named David. He was the youngest of all of his brothers and he faced a giant named Goliath, and it's an amazing, amazing story that I think is so so relevant to, to where um, we each are in our life, and if you wanna listen to that, it is up on the podcast, but I wanna talk about another young guy whose name is Joseph this morning, and Joseph is just a stud, absolutely. He's so awesome, and he was one of the youngest of uh, 12 brothers, he had eleven brothers, and that is a lot of testosterone in a confined space. I had one brother, and it got crazy sometimes. So I can't even imagine what it would be like. But he—he's just awesome, and he—it's interesting because he's—he's uh, he's one of the younger ones. But his dad, man, his dad loved him a lot. His dad loved him even to the point where it would seem as though he likes him and loves him more than the rest of his brothers. I mean, he favored him. He gave him cool coats that had a bunch of different colors on it. Like, it's fancy. He just, like, he loved him so, so much. And his brothers, man, they, they hated him for it. They, they just hated that, that he was the special one, the favored one. But Joseph was amazing. And Joseph, I think, teaches so many things. Um, but it starts all with Joseph having a dream. It starts off, the story that we're gonna read today in Genesis chapter 37, and it goes on to to chapter 50. It it all starts with Joseph having a dream. And I'll tell you, he's 17 years old in this story, and young people can dream. And I wanna be the kind of person that believes in the dreams of young people. I wanna be the kind of pastor, the kind of leader, that when a teenager says, I think God wants me to do this. I never want to be the person to be like, I just think you're a little bit too young. I don't know if God can do that. Come on, do you believe that God can speak to even the youngest of us, to even the most disqualified seemingly, even the most broken and hurting and the youngest? God wants to speak to all of us, no matter where we're at, no matter who we are, no matter what we've gone through. God, like he did for Joseph, wants to give each of us a dream. And that's where our story starts. So let's pick up in chapter 37, verse five. If you're taking notes or you have your Bible, let's turn there and let's get ready to read. Now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said, I get this. I would do the same thing probably if my little brother said this. His brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now, God bless Joseph, but I don't know if I necessarily agree with this next decision. He has another dream and says, well, I know they hated me for that one. Maybe they won't hate me for this one, you know? So he just goes ahead and decides, I'm going to share this other dream with them too. It says, then he dreamed another dream and he told it to his brothers, uh, brothers and said, behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in his mind. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you. For your goodness, Jesus, thank you for all that you do for us, God. Right now, Lord, we ask that you open up our hearts and our mind, that you till the soil of our hearts, that you prepare us, God, for what you wanna speak to us, God. Soften our spirit and our hearts, God. We wanna be moldable and shaped by your word. So God, we love you, and God, we trust you, and we pray that winter never comes and that we keep living and enjoying the sun. In Jesus' name, Everybody said, wow, that's the loudest amen I've ever gotten. That's crazy. You guys love the sunshine. Me too. Anybody like not actually tan? You just kind of go more pink? That's me. Like I just, it's crazy. Look like a lobster at the end of it. Um, Is there anybody here who you, you would be honest enough to say that you are maybe an impatient person? Maybe. It's okay. It's church. There's no condemnation. I um, would say that I'm probably not the most patient person. Um, of all the fruits of the Spirit, that's probably the one that I uh, least enjoy to eat. <laughs> Church jokes. Um, that was stupid. I'm sorry. That was lame. <laughs> but I'm not patient. Um, if this has ever happened to you, maybe, maybe you can agree with me. Have you ever maybe ordered something online? okay, and you're the kind of person that as soon as you click confirm order, you are watching that FedEx thing, hoping to dear God that it will eventually say, we'll deliver today. Yes, come on. And that's the best feeling in the world. And I don't care if it says that it's like a seven to ten business days until it's going to be here. On day one, I'm watching that thing, just hoping and believing in faith that somehow... I'm going to get that package. I'm not a super patient person. I don't love waiting. If I have a trip coming up, oh my gosh. For some reason, I just, I get antsy. You know what I'm talking about? Waiting, anybody hate like waiting in an airport? Oh, come on. Like, that's probably what hell's going to be like. So if you're not a Christian, like just right now, you just need to decide. We can just end church here, right? I'll just pray for you. I don't like waiting. But like I said, I believe that God gives dreams. I believe that God is a dream giver. And I believe on the inside of each one of us, no matter who you are, no matter what you look like, no matter what your background's like, I believe that God has put a dream inside of you. Whether you've realized it, whether you haven't, maybe if you believed it at one point and now it just, it kind of seems like it's faded away. What I know to be true about God is that he wants us to dream and to think big. That God is always calling us from glory to glory. That God is always asking us to take bigger and bigger steps of faith. And I believe that God puts a dream on the inside of each one of us. But what I've found is that there's a waiting period attached to that. Is that there's a gap between the dream and the destination. Between promise and fulfillment. And if I'm being honest, where we spend 99% of life is in that gap. Between hearing God and believing God wants me to do this. God wants my family to have a legacy that looks like this. God wants my business to accomplish this. God wants to use me to impact my city and to be part of a ministry that would accomplish this. God wants my marriage. God wants my health to look this way. I believe that God has given us all a dream, but that we have a waiting period, that there's a gap, And it's kind of frustrating sometimes. It's kind of frustrating. Because if you're like me, in the middle of the gap, I've become anxious. I've become worried. I've become impatient. I've become stressed out. I begin to doubt, has God even given me that dream? Was that even from him? Because when I look at my life right now, it doesn't look like it's really going anywhere. I feel like I'm on a treadmill. I feel like I'm running in place, like nothing is moving forward. Nothing's happening. We live in the gap. But I believe that some of that frustration, some of that anxiety, some of those worries come from us focusing and doing the wrong things. It comes from us trying to to do certain things that God never intended for us to do. Worrying about things that God never wanted us to worry about. So the question then becomes, if you've ever been frustrated or you've ever found yourself in the gap, what are we to do? What are we supposed to do between the dream and the destination? God gives Joseph a great dream saying, Joseph, one day you are going to be a ruler. And you're going to be such a ruler that even your family members, your brothers, your mother, and your father, they're going to bow down to you. That's a big dream. It's a big, big, big dream. He's just a 17-year-old kid. Imagine as a 17-year-old kid, someone kind of up to you be like, hey, You're going to be the prime minister of Canada. Like, that's big. That's huge. But Joseph does some amazing things throughout his lifetime. Some amazing things in the gap between the dream and the destination that are just amazing. And I believe that they are the things, they are some of the things that we are supposed to be doing in the gap. There are four things. I believe the first thing is that we need to stay humble. We need to stay humble in the gap. He knows that he's called to lead, he's called to rule. And in chapter 37, verse 13, and Israel, his father Jacob, he said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he replied, Here I am. Joseph didn't let his ego get the best of him. Even though he knew that he was called to lead, he was willing to follow whatever his father asked of him. He didn't get too big for his britches. See, he knew... That he was called the big things, but he was still willing to be faithful with the small. He was still willing to to put focus on the small things. The the not kingly things. The not ruler things. So sometimes we have a dream. Sometimes we believe that God's going to do something in our business or in our marriage. But we're not willing to take the small steps to get there if you believe that you're supposed to be a CEO one day, but right now you're just lower level, what you need to be concerned about is your faithfulness. Will you be faithful in the small things? Even though you know you're supposed to lead, will you not bad talk your boss? Will you not skirt the rules? Will you be faithful with the small? We need to stay humble even if we feel like the dream in our heart is big, we need to be able to be faithful with the small. We need to be faithful. We need to stay humble. I've found that it's actually easy to stay humble when you're faithful with the small things. See, God wants us to be humble about our dream. God wants us to, to believe it, but we don't need to brag about it we can be confident about it. We don't need to brag about it. But it's easy to stay humble because, you know, it'd be easy for me to just, oh, you know, one day, you know, oh, it would be so cool to lead a church. I feel like maybe that might be one day. I don't know, but I'm, uh, maybe. And you know, I'm just not, that, that's how a pastor acts, you know? So I, I don't have to worry about helping out with the small things. Oh, they're setting up for the youth conference. I don't have to do that. I'll leave that to the, the smaller folk. I'll leave that to the city team. If you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. We need to be faithful with the small things in your business, in your family. You want to have a great legacy with your family? It starts with staying humble, being willing to do the small things. Being willing, being willing. Being willing. We just got to stay humble. If you're willing to do the things others won't, you will experience the things that others won't. If you're willing to stay humble, remain teachable, remain soft in heart and soft in spirit, if you're willing to act like everybody else isn't, you will experience things that others won't. Because a lot of people try and see their dreams fulfilled in different ways. They're willing to do anything. Willing to double cross that person and stab that person in the back and skirt the rules on that things. And do that business deal off the books and have that relationship on the side. And do A, B, and C. But the second thing that Joseph did so well in the gap is that he maintained and prioritized his integrity. Joseph got thrown in a pit by his brothers. They were so angry. He goes off to see them in the field, and they're so jealous, where they throw him off in a pit to die. The one brother says, well, why don't we at least get some money out of the deal? And he's sold into slavery. He goes off to Egypt and finds himself in the house of Potiphar, and he finds himself rising to the top the lord was with him and he began to succeed and he rose to the top but even when he got some power even when he got some authority he was not willing to sacrifice his integrity it says in chapter 39 now joseph was handsome who he was good looking kind of looked like me i'm sure I need to stay humble. Point number one, right? (laughs) In form and appearance. He probably had a six pack. Not like me. uh, And appearance. And after a time, his master's wife, look out, cast her eyes upon Joseph. She's a desperate housewife right there. Desperate housewives of Egypt. Coming to TLC this fall. (laughs) Trading Spaces, Desperate Hot (laughs) Wives And she said, lie with me But he refused And as she spoke to Joseph, day after day Man, she is just hounding him He would not listen to her To lie beside her or to even be with her But one day, he found himself in a sticky situation When he went into the house to do his work And nobody else was there And it says that she caught him by the garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of that house. We have to be willing to do whatever it takes to maintain our integrity in the middle of the gap. Joseph was not willing to sleep his way to the top. He got some authority. He got some power. And he could have said, man, if I do this, maybe maybe I would find some more favor with her and I could actually maybe work that to my advantage. I know I'm supposed to lead. I'm supposed to rule. I have this great dream. Maybe I can wield that and use that to my advantage. But no. He decided I am not willing to sacrifice my integrity. I'm not willing to do that shady deal. I'm not willing to get in that conflict to get in the middle of that thing, to try and scheme against my boss. I'm not willing to do A, B, and C. He stayed humble, he was faithful, and he maintained and prioritized his integrity because I think Joseph realized that great callings require great character. Great destinies require great discipline. Great dreams require great discipline. They require character. Because the truth is is that we can get pretty far on talent. We can get pretty far on ability. I've seen a lot of pastors, a lot of business people, a lot of families, that, man, they, 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 they look like they have it all figured out. They got money. They got cars. They have influence. They have big churches. They've got the top podcast on iTunes. But a few years in, because there wasn't integrity, it all comes crumbling down. Integrity is a foundation that you need to build your life on. It's a foundation you need to build your family on, your business on. To get to your dream, it requires integrity. Integrity. You might think you've achieved your dream. You might think you've made it, but if you don't have integrity, it won't last. We have to realize that the dream is worth the sacrifice. The dream that God has put in the inside of your heart for your sake, for your family's sake, for our city's sake, for Canada's sake, for our world's sake, we need to be willing To sacrifice, because integrity is a sacrifice. It's so much easier to not have integrity. It's so much easier just to go with the flow of what everybody else is doing. It's so much easier to just, oh, there's an opportunity. I don't even have to double think about it. I just, if it's an opportunity for me to get ahead, I'm gonna take it. Doesn't matter what the consequence might be. Doesn't matter who else it might affect, who else it might hurt. If it helps me out, I'm willing to do it. Joseph had this opportunity, but he was willing to sacrifice that for his integrity. It says that he left his garment on the ground. He is running butt naked out of this house. He didn't care what it cost him. He didn't care what other people thought. He didn't care what other people were doing. He didn't care what his co-workers, he didn't care what his family members, he didn't care what the, what the latest trendy Instagram fitness person was doing. It didn't matter. Joseph said, it doesn't matter. As for me, as for my house, I'm going to serve God with integrity. I'm going to go after my dream with integrity. I'm going to build my life on integrity, on character, on discipline. Joseph built his life on integrity. In the gap, he prioritized it. He wasn't willing to sacrifice it. God wants us all to experience our dreams as realities, but integrity will keep us there. Integrity, character, the things that nobody else sees, those are the things that matter most. Those are the things that count, that get you to your dream. We never want to cheat. Our way into our dream. We never want to scheme our way into the dream, into God's promises. See, we live in a world today where society says, you got to promote yourself. You got to build your brand. You got to do whatever it takes to make it. Doesn't matter who you hurt. Doesn't matter what you say doesn't matter what goes on just make it to the top fulfill your dreams go after it. doesn't just just go for it it's a self promoted culture that we live in joseph for his unwillingness to compromise was thrown in prison this wife lied to her husband said that Joseph tried to take advantage of her. He was so upset, obviously, he throws Joseph in prison. While he's in prison, he just begins to rise to the top. Again, whatever environment he was in, he just began to elevate because the Lord was with him. Two guys show up who were part of of Pharaoh's household. They worked there and worked with Pharaoh and they did some stuff that upset Pharaoh so they ended up in prison and they began to have some weird dreams and Joseph he, he was willing to 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 completely trust his God even though he was in the middle of a prison and it actually fulfilled their dreams and they both or, or the one got out and then Pharaoh had a dream and then they said oh I know this guy Named Joseph, he interpreted my dream while I was in prison two years ago. I totally forgot. He comes up. Pharaoh has this crazy dream, and Joseph interprets it, and Pharaoh makes him second in command. What we need to do and remember in the gap that we need to let God be our promoter. We need to let God be the one that promotes. This happened all throughout Joseph's life. Chapter 39, it says that his master saw that the Lord was with them when he was in Potiphar's house and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. Then he gets to prison and the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in there. The Lord was with them and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. And then in chapter 41, since God has shown you all this, this is Pharaoh talking to him, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. In each three of these scenarios, Joseph did not promote himself. Joseph did not sell himself. Joseph allowed God to be his promoter. You need to know that if God called you there, he'll get you there. If God said it's going to happen, he's going to be the one that makes it happen. Because we'll, we'll mess it up. And we'll try and take all the credit. But when we trust God and allow him to promote us, we will experience things, we will go places, we will see our dreams fulfilled in ways that we never even thought possible. We need to let God be our promoter. Just remain faithful to God. He'll take care of the details. He'll get you there. See, God, I love this. God doesn't ask us to fulfill our own dreams. He just asks us to trust him that he'll do it. Because if it was on me to fulfill my dreams, <laughs> I would mess it up. I don't think I would dream big enough. I don't think I would, would, would reach the potential that God's given me. But God promotes in such a faithful amazing, beautiful way. I remember it was our last year of school. It was our last year of school and it would have been the fall of 2016. And I remember knowing that we wanted to get married and believing that there was a call of God in both of our lives to serve in the ministry full-time to build his church. We were living in Portland, Oregon. Jane is American. I'm Canadian. And we began to talk about what that would look like and how that would even work. Would we stay in Portland? Would we go back to Canada? But if we go back to Canada and we believe that we're called to to full-time ministry, like, we don't even know where we'd go. I had been gone for so long and in Portland, the the pastor we had been serving, he was leaving to start a new church. And we're like, maybe we do that. And it was all just kind of confusing and hard, if I'm being totally honest. It was really um, really scary because I wanted to marry this girl and I wanted to start my life, but we had no clue what to do. We, we, we didn't know. And I remember um, it was about October of 2016 and I had gone up with a friend who was speaking at a conference in Calgary and uh, he, he was speaking there, he was American, he was a pastor and we go up and it's this youth conference and I remember just kind of this feeling of man, I really love Canada and um I don't, I'm sorry <laughs> Totally was not expecting this, holy. Um, <laughs> uh, and we took some time uh, to pray separately, and we both came back together, and uh, we both just really felt Canada, but like had no idea. And uh, I remember the last day of that trip, we were in the airport, and I got an email some guy named Brent. (laughs) And uh, I had known who he was. I had met him about seven years earlier, maybe eight years. I don't even know at that time. Uh, And uh, my mom had written a book and he had come to the book release party. Uh, And um, at that time I was a I was an aspiring pastor. And at that time, it was like, let's connect on Instagram and Facebook. So I followed him on Instagram. And, uh, you know, um, at that point, I think probably the building was just being built. So I saw him then and then didn't talk to him. I mean, I saw some random Instagram posts. Oh, the building looks pretty cool, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> looks like some cool things are happening there. He had gone to some trip with, and he, he had, the, the pastors that he had, that were speaking at the conference he was at, like, I, I thought they were cool. So I was like, oh, that's cool that he listens to the same speakers. I would drive by on the highway and I'd be like, oh, I think that's my mom's friend's church. And I was like, that's weird. Like, oh, like, that's cool. Looks like an okay place. <laughs> and, um, he emails me and, uh, I had no idea. I didn't know if he was crazy. I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know anything about the theology. I didn't know anything about, like, I had no idea what I, like, what it was. So I, I talked to my parents. I talked to Jane. I talked to my friend, Andrew, and I was like, what questions do I need to ask this guy to make sure that he's not nuts, make sure the church is okay? And I call and, um, I call and I ask all these questions and, Everything checks out all right. Uh, and, um, everything, everything is awesome. And we have another phone call and we get engaged and he, uh, he offered to, to bring Jane and I out here for an interview and we checked out the church and that was about December um, like 17th, 2017. And uh, like never in my life Could I have dreamed up this? Ever. Like, I couldn't have, um, I couldn't have promoted myself into this position. I, um, I didn't, like, I come from a denomination in Ontario, like, I was going to go anywhere. Like, that's where I was going. Like, and I probably could have made a couple phone calls and sent in my resume places and, and promoted myself. But guys, God is our promoter. God is our promoter and when we allow God to promote us he will take us places that we never thought possible and it will be better than we ever imagined and it will be more fulfilling and more exciting and more incredible than we ever thought I'm so glad that, that I made a choice to just trust God and not try and promote myself And let him promote me. Because if he calls you there, he'll get you there. We make our plans, but man, the Lord establishes our steps. And there were times, there were times I was so scared. I was so insecure and Jane, am I cut out for this? Are we cut out for this? Where are we going to go? How are we going to do this? before i 'd even gone off to Portland I, I was serving at a church and I, I was expecting to just do my schooling online and a couple a couple thing, a couple things fell through and wasn 't working and I, I'd made some bad choices financially and relationally and I just remember feeling so uh just defeated and not knowing where to go. Not knowing what to do. And just looking at the past and just wondering, man, I just see setback after setback. And Joseph, man, his life is a story of setbacks. He just had a dream and his brothers hate him for it. He's thrown in a pit goes to a house, he does well, he maintains his integrity, and he gets thrown in prison. Two years later, after trusting God to be his promoter and being committed to his dream, God promoted him to second-in-command and there's ends up being this great famine, and these brothers that threw him into a pit, years later, find themselves before him, and they didn't realize who he was. People don't see the potential on the inside of you. You gotta stay committed to your dream. If you believe it, you go for it. Don't let anybody stop you eventually he, he lets them know who he is. And at the very end of Joseph's story, in chapter 50, it says in chapter 18, or verse 18, that his brothers came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. So this is the dream being fulfilled. His brothers are now bowed down before him. He has reached the destination And it says do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. The fourth thing that Joseph did that is so crucial, is that he flipped the script on his setbacks. See, you need to know that every setback, God will redeem and turn it into a setup for your destiny. Every moment you thought that it was going to be over, God said, I'm just getting started. Watch what I will do. Watch what I can accomplish. What I love about God is that we can look back at every moment in our lives and be like, I don't know if I missed the mark there. I don't know. Those people did that to me. I made that mistake. And God is so good that He will take every setback and redeem it and make it a setup that He will build your destiny upon. So what we need to do is that we need to look at every obstacle. We need to look at every, every moment and say, God's setting me up. I don't know how, but I know that my God is good enough to turn what man intended for evil, what the devil intended for evil, what that thing intended for evil, my God can mean it for good. My God can do the impossible. My God can take me from the pit and he can put me in a palace. He can turn every obstacle into an opportunity. So with your dream, you need to flip the script and trust that that setback is a setup. There's no way I could have dreamed. I know I'm not there yet, but I really believe that we're experiencing a small taste of the promise of God of the fulfillment of the dream that God's put on the inside of us. And as I look back, I just see all of those moments as God redeeming and saying, I was just putting you on the right path. You make your plan. I establish your steps. God is so faithful. He's so good. I just felt um, led to say to somebody that it's time to dream again. It is time to dream bigger than you've ever dreamed. It is time to seek God for the dream. And if there have been some setbacks... You need to know that if you just give it to God, He will turn it into a setup. And maybe for you this morning, the dream is just... the first step is just getting to know this Jesus. And what's so good is that His grace covers all setup, all, all setbacks. There's no setback too big from God. Nothing can keep you from him if you would just say, God, I choose you. I surrender to you. So can we just bow our heads and close our eyes really quick? Lord, thank you for your goodness, your love, your grace, and your mercy. God, I pray for every person here, whether they don't know you or whether they've been in a relationship with you for decades. God, I pray that right now, God, you would remind them that you are setting them up, God, for the dream that you have given them. That you are redeeming and can redeem every moment. That you would help us all, God, to trust you to be our promoter, to maintain our integrity and to stay humble. God, I pray for every dream that it, it just gets bigger and enlarged. God, and I just pray that, that even if it seems far away, that there would be just a new level of faith and trust and confidence and rest. God, that we can rest in your promise for every person here. Lord. Put a dream. Remind them of the dream that you've put in them. We love you so much. We trust you with our dreams. We put them in your hands. And God, we say, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your support. If you want to connect with us, you can find us online at thecitychurch.ca.